Good morning. You know, we don't see each other all week, so when we get here on Sunday, we just kind of want to talk. Sort of like you, huh? Yeah. How you doing? I am not there, but your prayers are being answered, so would you keep praying for me? Because I want to have 100% God's promised it to me. Remember I shared that scripture with you that says, God has declared that he will restore my health and heal my wounds. That's a great one in Jeremiah for, for you too and for me. So let's stand. We're going to worship a little bit here with song before we greet each other.
Thank you, Angelo. My cue. You can sit. Good morning. You're a very compliant group, you know that. Welcome. Uh, met a couple of folks that were new, but let me just say to everyone, if you're first or second time with us, please fill out the registration, rip it off, drop it in the offering plate. You're very important to us. We love having you here. Um, also, again, if you want to find out about all the announcements, scan the uh, QR is that the right word? QR thing. And y'all told me what that stands for. What is this? Quick reference. QR. Okay. Scan that. It'll tell you more. Um, tonight, the youth are having a back to school event. Leaving today at what time? Five and coming back midnight. Okay. Have a fun time. Uh, I could handle the other stuff, but the midnight, I probably wouldn't be able to handle that. All right. Wednesday night. I've been asked about it over and over and over and over today. We, I will be doing the teaching portion instead of just a group study. Like I'll be doing actual teaching. Um, I've ordered the, uh, study guides. They should be in, um, but we are going to start it on the 23rd, the 23rd, not the 16th. That way we'll know hopefully that they will be in and we can give them out and you can have a chance to take them home before we actually start the class. So looking forward to that. And then other, all the other activities, please read. We'll be starting other groups and uh, things will be taking place. All right. We're glad that you're here and we'd ask you to please stand. Welcome somebody around you to church. <clears throat>
you to be seated as we get ready for our offering, because uh, what I'd like to do now is to ask any and everyone, if you're a student or if you're working in the school system in any capacity, would ask y'all to please stand. If you're working in the school system or a student in any capacity, that could be college, high school, doesn't matter if y'all would stand. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for a, another day to worship and serve you in. We're grateful for that. And we are going to be taking up, Lord, our tithes and offerings that you bless your people with, and they bless the church and the community through that. And so we thank you for providing for us. As we'll be learning a little bit in the message today, we can be thankful in 
the circumstances that we are facing, even if we're not thankful for them. And Lord, uh, standing up with us in this service are students, teachers, aides, people that help in so many different ways. We ask and pray for them, for your touch on their life. Those, Lord, that have an influence would use your character and your power in their life to be a witness, a strong witness where they are. And we pray that you would protect them all this year and have your hand of blessing upon them. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Thank you, folks. my different versions of Psalm 16, amen, and read it. Let's stand as we continue to worship the one who made us and thank him for what he's doing in our life, amen. Now you sing with me, don't you let me sing by myself here, you just, everybody's singing.
Father, for who you are. We thank you for the miracles you're working in our life every day that we don't even see, but that you promise us in your word. And we thank you, Father, for those promises. And Lord, as we get ready to hear about change, open our hearts so that when we come here, we are open to change, not leaving the same as we come in. Speak to our hearts, Father. Take away the things that we don't need to have. Scale us down and change us to be more like you, Jesus. We ask and we pray in the precious holy name of your Son. Amen. Amen.
summer is going pretty quickly, isn't it? That's all right. That means football starts. So I, about this time of year, every year, for the last 30-something years, I say to my wife, if you've got anything you want to say to me for the next four or five months, <laughs> now's probably the time to do it. Football starts. Yeah. Well, we started a sermon last week on trusting God in the changes of life. And um, I think that was the first sermon. And this is part two. Because I didn't have enough time to get it all in. So we covered the kind of bad news, good news thing. And we talked about how um, there's no growth in your life unless things change. And that there's no change without you feeling a loss of some kind. And that if you feel a loss of some kind, you grieve over that. And grief can cause pain. And so it kind of left us hanging for today where I said I'd like to share with you eight principles from the scriptures on how we can handle these changes in life and what we should be doing. And I will tell you that this is from the last 42 years uh, of ministry, of learning these things and writing them down. Now, this may not be very dynamic to you today, but it is to me because this is, this is what I have felt, thought, and um, I know you're going to say, well, none of that's very deep, and it may not be, but I still want you to listen because every one of us in here right now is probably going through some change depending on what age you are. We, we've got young people. Their change is some of them are about to leave home and go to school for the first time away from school. Uh, some are about to enter that final year of high school. Uh, others of us, you know, you, maybe you're, you're in a job change or your health. A lot of us in our age group, our health changes all the time. Um, and so I, I'd, I'd like for you to listen with all of that in mind that even though the points may not seem to be pow, you know, something I'm just going to remember, this is vital to me. And so when I'm going through a change, number one, when I'm going through a change, here's what, and, and by the way, a, a little quick qualifier, these are things that I didn't do to begin with that I've learned I've got to do in order to handle change better. So the first thing was, Look for God in the change. Look for God in the change that you're going through. You know, it was um, Mother Teresa was asked one time, why do you help the poorest of the poor? And she said, because I see the face of Jesus in the poor, and I want to help him. And that's kind of, you know, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, that's right. But I've discovered over these years that you can find the face of Jesus in people's life almost anywhere. And we need to be doing things as unto him. That changed my ministry a lot. When I realized, yes, tangibly, yes, I'm reaching out to this person, but I'm doing it because I want to obey the Lord. And I want to help the Lord to be powerful in their, in their life. You know, when I look around at this world, and we're going to talk about this in our Wednesday night study some. I see the original intent. 
that God had for people and the original intent for his earth and so forth. And, and we're, of course, not living up to that. But in the middle of that and, and the, the changes that are happening, I look for the Lord and I find him there. And I, I think of Jeremiah 29 where he says, if you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I circle the word earnest. I mean, if you really want to know, and you're earnest about it, you're sincere about it. See, my problem that I didn't learn until later as I grew older in ministry, when change came, my first reaction was not to really look for God. And I, I may send up a token prayer, but my, my first reaction was, how do I get out of this? You agree with that? Most of us, that is, how do I get out of this? Um, I, I'm looking for relief. I'm looking for comfort. Um, we need to look for the Lord. And when I started, even the bad things that happened to me, when I started looking for God in that change, it made a world of difference. So number one, look for God in the change. Number two, then ask God for wisdom. <clears throat> Folks, when, you, when you're going through a change that you didn't plan, a change that you don't want, that you don't like, and we, I had to learn to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's obvious that things are not going the way I intended them to go. Lord, what is it you want to do to redirect me? You know, if I'm doing the wrong thing there or how, am I doing something that needs to be corrected um, or you want to inspect my life and, and let, have me look at my life. Um, the reason that you need to ask for wisdom is because in a change, your thinking has got to change. I looked up this last week, all the things in the Bible, especially New Testament that talked about think or mind. And it, it is amazing to me, folks, everything starts up here. And, you know, Paul was very plain about that in, in his writings. You've got to change your mind. You know, let God transform you by what? By the renewing of your mind. And there's so much that the Bible tells us about that. Um, follow me on this. To do what you've never done You've got to think like you've never thought. Because as I told you last week, I, I kept wanting to change my life. And I kept doing it. Every year, I was in the same pattern. Doing the same thing in ministry. Doing it the same way. Sermons the same way. Over and over and over. And, and when I really felt like God wanted me to change some things. One day, I may even tell you what all those were. In the, in the way of pastoring and preaching. But my old way of thinking, you know, we call it stinking thinking, that didn't work. And so we've got to think in new ways. Lord, what do you want me to do? I've even said, Lord, what do you want me to think? What do I need to be thinking? You know, in James 1, 5, it says, if you need wisdom, this is for every one of us in here. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. He'll gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. You know, one place Jesus said, you have not because what? You ask not. 
So that's number two. Number three, and I can't, <clears throat> you may think, well, that, I don't know if I'd have included that. This was a biggie for me, and it's a biggie now. Listen for God's whisper. Listen for God's whisper. Folks, we are living in a world where, listen, you've got to make time to be quiet. I don't know about you, but I find a lot of joy lately in being able to just be quiet. No TV, no, nothing in my ear listening to music, not doing anything on a cell phone, but just being quiet. And, and the reason is, is this. I've also learned that you've got to be quiet because the Lord, I don't want to say never, but I would say almost never, shouts to you. He never shouts it out loud what he wants you to do. It almost never works that way. I have found that to be true in my life. You know, your, your, your best insights that God gives you come during your darkest days. Amen? And, and when you do that, if you humbly listen to God in quiet trust. But let me tell you, folks, young folks especially, if you could learn this when you're young, learn to be quiet. You know, I remember those days studying with a TV going. Studying with songs being played on a record player. Um, all of those kind of things. But it doesn't work anymore. You know, and, and it's like, God, okay, what do you want me to do? A good example of this, I shared with you about two and a half months ago in another sermon, was the story of Elijah. You remember that quick story of Elijah up on a mountaintop, nursing his wounds, having a pity party. He just had a huge victory, and now Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And so he runs away, and he flees way out into the wilderness, and he's in a cave. And then we read this in verse 11, 1 Kings 19. Then the Lord passed by and sent a furious wind that split the hills and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. Then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After that, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, there was, let's read that together, a soft whisper of a voice. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his cloak. He went out, stood in the entrance of the cave, and the voice said to him, and I believe with all my heart, just knowing human nature and keeping it in context, of what had happened, there had been a fire and a wind and an earthquake. And then it says, as we just read, a soft whisper of a voice. It was, Elijah, what are you doing here? Don't you think? It wasn't loud. It was, what are you, I got your attention now. What are you doing here? Has God ever said that to you? I've, I've had that more than once. Lord, what are you doing here? I didn't mean you to end up here like this. And uh, I didn't plan for it. I, 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 don't, I don't want you here. And that's kind of what he was saying to Elijah. But folks, let me tell you something. God still speaks in still, small voices. So let's learn that when you're going through a change, and some of you right now, it may be a health change, a marital change, um, it may be financial, it may be just emotional. I don't know what it may be, but God wants to change you, and the best way to do that is to slow down your mind. Slow it down. That's why um, the two or three times a, a month, uh, month, I wish that were, 
the two or three times a year that I get to go over to Daytona, when I get over there and I get out on the balcony and I'm listening to the waves and I'm reading my Bible, there's so many times, in fact, every time, I will say after reading and just being totally quiet, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? And then just be quiet and wait and listen. And believe it or not, that's where a lot of times he reveals things to me that I need to correct here. Here's what I want you to do when you get back. Here's, you need to see this person, whatever it may be. Look for God in the change. Ask God for wisdom. Listen for his still small voice. You all remember uh, the Eagles? Anybody remember a group called the Eagles? Well, there was a guy there who played with him named Don Henley. He wrote and uh, sang a song called Learn to Be Still. Some pretty good words, really, that even Christians could learn from. Number four, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one more than the others. And I want you to write it down, but I'm going to give you a qualifier before. Don't ask why, but what? Don't ask why, but what? What do I need to learn? Now, that does not mean that at the beginning of your situation, of your circumstance, or your change, that does not mean that then you should never ask why. It would be unnatural for you to do that. If something's wrong going on in your life, it would be unnatural to not say, well, why? Why is this happening? But what I am saying is there comes a time in a Christian's life when they have to get beyond the why when the answer has not come, and it's one of those, remember, big things in life that you can't control, you didn't make it happen, you can't keep it from happening, then we need to move beyond why and ask what. It took me a lot of years to learn to do that because it was so ingrained in me that when things were going wrong in my life or uh, in, in the church, if I were pastoring or whatever, you know, to to ask why rather than Lord, what do you want me to learn? And to learn to focus not so much on the problem as on my response and my own personality and so forth. If I were to ask you this question, what do you think is God's number one purpose for your life? What is God's number one purpose for your life? I'm talking to believers, okay? We're assuming that we're saved. God's number one purpose for your life is to make you like Christ. That is his whole purpose. Um, he, he doesn't want you to be a spiritual baby all your life. Okay, so what can God do? Well, he will take all and allow them even the circumstances that we learn in that place called the school of hard knocks. Because there are things that we will only learn through difficulty. And it took me quite a few years of ministry to realize a few things. Number one, yes, I was, I was a pastor. Yes, I had been doing that quite a while. But one, God's not impressed by that, and I'm not taking my career with me to heaven. I'm not going to be taking my portfolio to heaven. I mean, it's, it's, when it's over down here, it's over. I'm not going to take my property or my house. I'm not going to even take my reputation. But what I do know that I will take is my character. See, my soul is already there. 
And so when I go to be with the Lord, my character is the only thing that I'm going to be able to carry. So God is far more interested in what is happening in me than what is happening around me. You agree with that? If you do, say amen. All right. All right. So every time you go through a circumstance that you didn't choose, that you don't like, and you're going through a change, you're either going to resent it and you're going to get be better or you're going to be bitter. You're going to become, if you, if you don't handle it correctly, you will become a victim rather than a victor. And we've got a whole nation full of victims. And I don't know about you, but you kind of get tired of that. And instead of a bumper sticker, like I'm seeing that says, stop global warming, mine's going to say, stop global whining about the warming. And I told you last week that pain is a good thing because pain is a teacher. It teaches me what is wrong in my life. And it teaches me if something needs to be changed. And I'll tell you from personal experience, the greatest lessons that I've ever learned about uh, finances, relationship, my health, I've learned from physical pain and going through something that God was trying to speak to me about. And God is saying, look, I want to get your attention. So don't ask why. Don't keep asking why. Get to where you're asking what. Here's another statement that you may or may not agree with. God does not owe you an explanation for everything that happens in your life. We don't like to hear that, do we? God does not owe you an explanation for everything that happens in your life. Week before last, I was meeting with someone and they were going through a severe change in their life and it was a problem and they just would not get beyond this right here. That, that, that God was not letting them know why. What had happened had happened. And finally, I just got to the point and I said, okay, you know, we've, we've talked now for a long time, almost an hour. If you got an explanation for everything that happens, then you don't need faith. If God tells you why about everything, there's no faith involved. That you're going to trust him, we'll talk about that in just a minute also. You see, God, boy, this is such a dynamic thing to me. When I realize this sometimes, it just makes you want to shout. But this is, this ought to, hopefully what I'm going to say right now, and I forgot this, by the way, in the first service, so you're getting it. That God is eternal, right? God has been there from eternity past to eternity future. God's there. And that means, and this is what is so great and hard to grasp, that means everything is always present with him. If it happened 2,000, 4,000 years ago, or if it's something that's going to happen 2,000 years from now, God knows it. It's all present with him. And we don't do that. So the point is, he sees the beginning from the end. So he knows that big change you're going through, how it's going to end up and what it's going to end up like. So you can, you can rest in that to know, uh, okay, a thousand years from now, okay, God's already there. Folks, nothing catches him by surprise. 
So what, what do we need to do and, and learn in life? Well, I wrote down a bunch of things, but I've settled on one. We need to learn contentment. It's not on your notes if you want to write it down. We need to learn contentment. In Philippians 4.12, Paul said, I have learned the secret so that anywhere at any time I am content. Whether I'm full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. We love that second part of the verse. I see it on T-shirts. You'll see it in people's houses on a, on, a, uh, on a wall or something like that, in pastor's offices. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ, right, who strengthens me. But we don't like the first part. It's right there, learning to be content with little or much or if I'm hungry. But that's what he said. Why? Because contentment and character are something that you learn. You may remember I said last week or week before, I'm not sure which, don't remember what point it was of the message, but that um, things don't come natural. It doesn't come naturally to me to be content about everything and probably not you either. I am not by nature content, neither are you by, by nature, totally. I want to take care of my needs. And so, and I told you this, remember I told you, I'm not thinking about you. When things get bad and, and I'm hurting, in fact, yesterday when the back spasm hit again and it, it's that screaming kind of pain and I'm curled up on the bed with my knees up and, and I've, I've taken the muscle relaxer and the Motrin and just lying there waiting for it to go away, I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about the pain that I was in. But you know what I did do that I have learned while I was lying there? To be content and say, Lord, I know you haven't left me. And maybe this is just to slow me down and get me thinking about the message tomorrow. But that's where God does a lot of teaching is through the difficult circumstances. Romans 5 says, even in our trials and troubles, these very things will develop mature character. Have you ever wondered why life is so hard? I mean, let's just admit it, folks. It is difficult. It isn't easy. And God never said it would be easy. But Lord, why, even after I give my life to you and I'm trying to do the right thing, why is it such a struggle? Well, I think I know why. Because God wants me to change. And I don't want to change. There's things, listen, and I'm, talk, I'm not talking about sinful things. I mean, that's a, that's a gimme. If he reveals that, then I need to get rid of that. But I'm talking about things that are neither sinful or they're, they're, they're just kind of neutral. Because, listen, God wants to change me. And I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that. He wants you to become a godly man or a godly woman. It's hard for me to even sit up here and tell you that your pastor 100% of the time wants to go with God's plans because I don't. I struggle with that like you do. But since I know, are you with me now still? Since I know that God is going to use it all for my good, like we talked about last week, then my response should be 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lost your job, maybe. Lost your health, maybe. Lost your family, this or that. What is God's will for me right now? He said, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, pastor, wait just a minute. How in the world can I give thanks for what happened to me? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And God doesn't, and the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's a big difference. I'm not going to thank God when a baby gets leukemia. I'm not going to thank God when somebody robs and rapes and kills. I'm not going to thank God for that. God hates evil. And he wants us to hate evil. But here he says, now, Lord, when you're going through a circumstance that you can't change and it's something that you don't like, then I still do want you to be thankful in that circumstance. Giving thanks to him. Well, what can I be thankful for? Well, again, as I was lying there yesterday afternoon trying to get some relief, I was able to say, Lord, I know you still love me. I'm thankful for that. Lord, I know you care for me. I'm still breathing. I'm alive. And this is always past, so I've got to believe it's going to pass again. You know, when you go through, I don't know how many of you have something chronic that comes back like that. You always think, well, this is the one. It's not going to end this time, but it always does. You can give thanks to God. And one of the biggies is I'm thankful I'm alive. Breathing, still got my mind able to love the Lord. All right, number five. Focus on what never changes. Focus on what never changes. And what is it that never changes? Not in your notes. Yep, God is it. But let me give you three things for you to write down. Three things about God that never change. Under point five, not in your notes, you can add them. God's love, God's promises, and God's purpose. His love, his promises, and his purpose. They will never change. God's love for you, folks, is never going to change. Amen? God's word is always going to be true. Amen? God is not a liar. It's never going to change. Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means forever. So focus on what doesn't change. Quickly, number six, don't face it alone. Now, this is where we lose a lot of people also. To accept help from other people. Because that is the exact opposite of our human tendency. Our tendency is that when we're in pain is to pull in kind of into a shell. When things are not going well, we want to retreat to our castle pull up the drawbridge, fill the moat with water, set out the alligators, turn the electric fence on because we don't want anybody around us. But folks, that's not what God says anywhere about working through change. You say, well, preacher, I just don't want anybody else to know. Well, that's your problem. And there's a word for it in the Bible. It's called pride. And you know what else the Bible says? God resists 
the proud, but he'll give grace to the humble. Humility is being, are you listening? I'm not talking about telling your problems to 50 people, but you need one or two that you can go to and that you can share your life with. And that's why, listen, right here at Gulf of the Lake that we, we got these small groups that are going on. You know, some meet here, some meet in the homes and on different days of the week. And in talking to people over the last, say, seven or eight months, here's what I've learned. That in those small groups, they have shared with one another their hearts about things like um, illnesses, um, divorces, severe marriage problems, bankruptcies, layoffs, problems with grown children, all those things that people have just had a burden, the change in their life, the circumstance changed, and they needed somebody to talk to. There's nothing wrong with having a couple of people in your life that you trust and that you can go to. That's why I, I won't ever get tired of talking about being in a smaller group. And if you'll come on Wednesday nights, I'm going to give you another dynamic reason when we start that study of why you need to be in, in, a, different, in a group. All right, Ecclesiastes 4, two are better off than one. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. Two men can't re, can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. Talks about being back-to-back, -back, you know. If you're, if you're by yourself, you're trying to fight, someone gets get you from behind. But you turn around, back-to-back, -back, and you can, you, can, you can defeat. I wish I'd have made up this statement. Some of you may have heard it. It may be a common statement. I'd never heard it till this last week. And the pastor that I got it from, don't even know who it was, because so he just said he was a pastor. Didn't mention a name. But when I read it, I thought, that is a great statement. Before I leave this point, a burden that is shared is halved. And a joy that is shared is double. Isn't that good? I mean, you got a burden and you share that, it's cut it in half. But a joy that you share, now it's doubled. I like that. Number seven, quickly become a promised person. Build your life on the promises of God. One of the ones that I like, great promises, where the Lord's saying, I'm not going to give up on you no matter what, is Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that means confident, that God who began the good work in you will carry it on until it's finished, till the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, folks, God did not bring you this far just to leave you where you are. The last chapter in your book has not been written. The story is not over yet. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxiety on him, for you are his personal concern. Isn't that good? Did you know you're his personal concern? You know, the book of Philippians also talks about having a peace that transcends all understanding. I like that kind of peace. Wouldn't you like to have it? A peace that just goes beyond being able to understand it. Well, how do you get, how do you get that? By trusting in God in all situations. Psalm 112.7. A righteous man does not fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen. For he has settled in his mind that God will take care of him. Let me say this. 
you can bank on this truth. God's going to have the last word. And it's going to be good for his kids. Here's the last step, maybe the most important of all. I'm going to tell God I'll trust him no matter what. No matter what. You know, when Job did this and had lost everything in his life, in chapter 13, he made a statement that I've always loved. When things were going really bad, I've thought of, I don't know why, but you go to, my mind goes to Job. And one of them is this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I mean, he'd been through a lot. And he said, you know what? Even if God were to kill me, I'm going to trust him. And there's been times in the last 30 years, we have, we have, we have been so blessed as a church. We have, we've just, you, your presence, your love, your help. We've just had our unfair share of good. But we've also had some difficulties. I mean, that's life, right? There's also things, but I'm going to tell you, in every one of those different times where there was maybe opposition or intense criticism or something like that, what I had to learn to do was say, Lord, I'm going to love you and I'm going to trust you no matter what happens. Friends, let me tell you the greatest stress reliever that I know of. Three words, keeping it in context with the Lord. Three words, let it go. Let it go. Hold everything that God gives you with an open hand, amen? Hold it with an open hand. If God has given you something in your life and you couldn't give it up, then you don't own it, it owns you. That could be a relationship, it could be stuff. If God gave it to you to start with, he can give it to you again. So deal with everything with an open, open hand. And you'll get to the point too where you'll say, you know what, my identity is not in my, who I am as a, you name it, whatever you do. It's not in my wealth, it's not, it's in Jesus Christ. And that's why the other verse that we read last week, I want to read it as I close. The other second one about Job that I love, that I look forward and turn to is, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you bow with me? Dear Father, I want to ask you for wisdom for me and for those that are, that are here right now. Lord, forgive me for being too busy and too noisy to hear your whisper. I want to be quiet. I want to spend time with you, reading your word, being quiet and listening to you. Lord, I want to learn more about giving thanks in all the circumstances not for them, but in them. I want to thank you that you promised that you started this good work and you're going to finish what you started. Thank you that you, you will 
you will have the last word. I want to throw the whole weight of my anxiety on you. And Father, I'd like to say, and I'm, I'm going to need your help to fulfill it, that no matter what happens, I'm going to trust you. If you've never invited Christ into your life, this is a good Sunday to do it. You talk about a change. You'll change from spending eternity separated from God into eternity with Him in heaven. So let's stand and maybe sing one or two verses of this hymn and without plea for your patience with us as we deal with and grapple with change. Help us to remember you're not mad at us. You love us. And you're there for us to show us what we need to learn. And we thank you for doing that. We thank you for the trials that have made us more like you and prepared us to live with you in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.